Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? You ridiculous morgon. Bye bye. Yeah right. Yeah right. Your host Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week twelve of this college football season. A lot's going on. Uh, week eleven was awesome, partly because of the great time I had playing golf and playing beer pong and watching football with uh, with some of the guys out in Houston. So shout out to everyone there. That was a lot of fun. Good, uh, good, good, friendly and and sometimes not so friendly competition, uh, if if we're being honest. Quickly, uh, before I get into the games on the field, let's just talk about rankings real quick. Um, they came out tonight, that being Tuesday night. You're probably not listening to this on Tuesday night. Um, you know, general disclaimer that these rankings don't matter, uh, but there's a lot of hypocrisy with the committee, as there always seems to be, although they seem to get it right in the end. But I just don't understand why a team like Minnesota can't be number four let alone, where are they, eight, I think, Um, whereas a team like Alabama gets to sit there in fifth. Uh, If we're looking at resumes, it's just, uh, it's no contest. Alabama just doesn't have the resume, and I think, you know, by putting them fifth now, uh, they're they're setting themselves up to at least have them in the conversation at the end of the season, and uh, if you hear that clapping, that probably means the Rangers just won in overtime, so shout out to the Rangers, and shout out to producer Gurren behind the glass. Um... Yeah, I just, I don't understand why, I know that they're awesome, and, and believe me, I think they're awesome. Uh, this past week, I, I made a bet on Tua Tagovailoa to win the Heisman, and, and a bet on Alabama to win the national championship, and I don't think either of those are going to come to fruition. Um, I also did make a bet on Clemson to win the national championship, so I still have a chance to be in the plus money if that one hits, and uh, and I gotta say, I, I would, I think, take Clemson versus the field at this point. Um I, I still think they are the best team in the country, but that's just my quick spiel on the rankings, they, uh, that Alabama continues to get the benefit of the doubt. Let's just go ahead and, and look at resume, and I don't see um, you know, how you look at Alabama um, with, with their best win against you know, Texas A&M and, and their other best wins against like Duke and Tennessee. You know, I think those teams are combined, like, I don't know, 18 and 15 or... I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but they're they're close to 500, um, and and certainly no marquee win there. While while Minnesota um, has has now this big win against Penn State. But with that, let's get into what actually happened in Week 11, and let's start with that Alabama LSU game, the game of the season thus far. I'd say it lived up to the hype. I talked about uh, that that bet I made on Alabama and the bet I made on Tua. Things were looking good on Alabama's first drive. Things were looking good right up until the point that uh, Tua was seeming to scamper to the end zone untouched, and then he just dropped the ball. Uh, from there, the first half was all LSU. LSU took a 33-13 to lead into the break, uh, but the fourth quarter was was certainly uh, you know all Alabama until LSU needed to get it done. I mean, this was a game... So many amazing individual performances. Tua throws for 418 yards. 213 of those yards went to Devontae Smith. Great game from the Alabama wide receiver there. Uh, Najee Harris ran for 146 yards for Alabama. On the LSU side, you had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, he had 180 combined rushing and receiving yards. Jamar Chase 
140 receiving yards. Of course, the most impressive of all, Joe Burrow, 31 of 39 for 393 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, added an important 64 yards on the ground. And here's what really impressed me about LSU. Alabama fights all the way back in the second half. They cut it to 33-27 with 14 minutes and 30 seconds to go. And LSU goes on a 12-play, 75-yard drive that eats up four and a half minutes of clock. Then Alabama scores again, makes it 39-34, this time with five minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. And at this point, a lot of teams would get conservative. <coughs> Excuse me. Coming off a basketball game. A little trying to trying to find some air in the lungs here. Big win for Nib High Football. Good job by all those guys. Uh, 39-34. And a lot of teams in this position are going to run the ball. They're going to get conservative. They're going to see if, can we get one first down? Can we run out this clock? That is not what LSU did with new you know, pass game coordinator, new offense coordinator, Joe Brady at the helm. They had a seven-play drive, went 75 yards in 355. Here's how their plays broke out. First and 10, pass play. And it was a beautiful pass play. It reminded me of Denard Robinson a little bit. Uh, Burrow took the snap, took a few steps in towards the line of scrimmage. And then when the linebackers moved up, he just uh, hit a quick pass, went for like 25, 30 yards right off the bat. Then the next play, they drop back to pass again, get sacked. No problem. Clock keeps moving. They then third consecutive pass play. Uh, they get it to, you know, third and short. They had a couple runs in there, including uh, a QB keeper on a read option from Joe Burrow. Just really imaginative play calling. They went for the throat, which is what you have to do in one of these big games against a good team. Um, and, and, and they scored a touchdown to pretty much close the door. Alabama did score on an 85-yard touchdown uh, right away after that. But after uh, LSU recovered the onside kick, they had the win. LSU, far and away the best resume in the country right now. A much-deserved number one ranking for them. Will be interesting to see uh, if they can drop a game. I'd say if they drop a game here in the regular season and go on to still win the SEC, they're a lock for the playoff. What would be more interesting is if they went 12-0, went to the SEC championship, and lost there. Uh, I still think they're probably in pretty good shape to, uh, to win, uh, to, to get a spot in the playoff. And I was mentioning uh, about Alabama with, uh, yeah, 15 and three uh, is the combined record of their three best wins. Uh, sorry, 15 and 13. I said 15 and three there, 15 and 13. And some of these losses um, by, you know, by these teams that their, their best wins, we're talking about teams like Georgia State, BYU, uh, Pitt, UNC, Virginia. It's not like, you know, their, their competition uh, has been so good. And that's why the, the combined record there is low. Just really not, an impressive resume uh, for Alabama uh, thus far. Now, a game that paid homage to uh, the Alabama LSU games of yesteryear. Undefeated Baylor took on TCU, um, and and th this game was 9-6 for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, a tribute to that 2011 LSU Alabama game of the century. I say that uh, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. Um, Baylor kicks a 51-yard field goal to tie the game. 34 overtime points later, Baylor wins by six, and the total went three points over. Got a feel for those underbetters in that game, a game 
that was 9-0, 9-3, 9-6, then 9-9, goes to overtime. Final score, 29-23 Baylor. Baylor remains undefeated. They're not making it look pretty, but I, you know, I have a lot of respect for the teams that just keep grinding, keep finding ways to win, and, uh, and they'll have a pretty good test coming up this week, so we'll learn a lot more about what Baylor is all about. Um, the, the bigger game probably at noon, Minnesota and Penn State. Uh, I was playing golf for, uh, for a good chunk of this game, but I was able to watch pretty much the entire fourth quarter. Minnesota jumped out early in this one. Uh, I talked about it last week with, with P.J. Fleck, you know, strong mindset, big-time motivation. They had that going for them. I told you to watch out for stud receiver Rashad Bateman. He went for 203 yards in this one. And, uh, and ultimately, Minnesota was able to hold on with a late interception, winning 31-26. to Now, for longtime listeners of this podcast, you'll know that I've been rowing the boat just about as long as anyone. Maybe some diehard Western Michigan fans out there have been on the PJ Trek, PJ Fleck, I was going to say train, but let's just say been on the PJ Fleck boat as long as I have. That being said, I called it last week. I like his ability to be a master motivator. I like his ability to get these guys up for one huge game. He had all of Minnesota going all in on this game. It's hard for college kids to stay up several weeks in a row. And I say college kids, if you listen to other college football or, or any college sport podcasts, I found that the term 18 to 22-year-olds, it's always, it's hard to, to keep 18 to 22-year-olds motivated. It's hard to make sure that 18 to 22-year-olds don't listen to all the noise on Twitter. It is my pledge to you, I will not say 18 to 22-year-olds ever again on this podcast. I'll just refer to them as college kids. It's hard to keep them up week to week. And I think uh, I would not be surprised, despite, this seems legit. This isn't smoke and mirrors. They've been completely dominant the last month, two months of the season. Um, but I would not be shocked to see them lose two of their next three and ultimately uh, not even go to the Big Ten Championship game. But we'll get a little bit more into that in the second half of the podcast. Penn State, on the other hand, they were, you know, they played pretty well in this game. Um, a couple turnovers, obviously, that you want to avoid, but that can certainly happen on the road. They're still in pretty good shape. Um, you know, they've got Indiana uh, coming in this weekend. Indiana, I should shout out to the Hoosiers, ranked in the AP for the first time since, off the top of my head, I want to say 1994. Um, I could be wrong on that, but certainly been a long time. Uh, good for Indiana getting into the AP poll. But, uh, yeah, got a little bit of danger there. I uh, don't want to look too far ahead to that game going to Ohio State. Certainly a tough uh, tough stretch here for Penn State, but, you know, difficult games present uh, great opportunities, and, I do, you know, Penn State controls its own destiny. If they win out, they're going to be in the playoff uh, as a 12-1 Big Ten champion. So don't uh, this, this doesn't really change a whole lot for Penn State. Uh, it could conceivably change their... Rose Bowl hopes, you know, if if Ohio State ends up in the playoff. But uh, I would say, you know, still everything to play for for the Nittany Lions going forward. Um, speaking of Ohio State, uh, it was, uh, we learned, I don't know, did we learn it on Friday or Saturday? Hard to keep track. We learned that star defensive end Chase Young was going to be ineligible. Um, he, you know, it was, it's stupid. He, 
last year he borrowed money from a family friend so that uh, his his girlfriend could travel to go to the Rose Bowl. Apparently he's paid that money back. I don't really understand why the family friend didn't just pay for the girlfriend to go to the Rose Bowl, but I digress. Uh, there was some consideration uh, throughout the college football world that you know Chase Young from the Maryland area. Um, is it possible that someone at Maryland who who was Ohio State's opponent this weekend could have been the one to snitch on this whole situation? Um, whether that was true or not, Ohio State seemed to react as if it was, um, hanging 73 points on the Terrapins. Um, and this is just your reminder that college football is extremely petty and wonderful, and, uh, and it's one of the best qualities about the sport. Also uh, a little bit petty, Clemson ranked number five in the first college football playoff ranking of the season. They probably weren't thrilled about that, and that was bad news for their opponent, North Carolina State. Clemson went into that game and went into halftime with a 42 to nothing lead en route to a 55 to 10 win. You don't want to be playing against Clemson uh, when they're feeling disrespected. They have it absolutely rolling right now, and uh, and I don't think that uh, I don't think it's going to stop rolling. I've been saying this all season. Everyone's been saying this all season. It's not going to stop rolling until they get to the college football playoff, and that is where they'll be tested for the first time. Um, later in the night, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma had a 35-14 to lead at half, but uh, Matt Campbell, coach of Iowa State, one of the strengths uh, of him as a coach, you know, he, he builds a tough team. You know they're always going to fight back. They're not going to quit in the second half. They scored three unanswered touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, down 42-41 to 41 with uh, very little time remaining. Went for two and the win. I got to say, I didn't love the call in this situation. Now, usually you're, you're the underdog, you're on the road, certainly do it. But they had Oklahoma back on their heels. This, this supposedly improved defense, and supposedly I, I was one of the ones saying that I thought it was an improved defense. Um, they haven't looked like it in their last two games, certainly against Kansas State and in the second half of this game against Iowa State. I thought Iowa State was playing better football in the fourth quarter and uh, probably should have just uh, taken it to overtime and, and seen if they could have just been the better team and won that game. But Oklahoma uh, did hold up on that two-point conversion, intercepted a pass, and won the game by one. You know, this is... Uh, Oklahoma still has a path to the college football playoff, but I'm not sure they're passing the eye test right now. And when they're going to be up against, even if they if they do win out, they're going to be up against probably a one-loss Pac-12 champion. They're going to be against probably a one-loss Alabama. It's going to be hard for Oklahoma to get into the playoff if their defense can't revert back to where it was in the first half of the season when we thought they were more uh, more of a complete team. Because if you're stacking up resumes and, and this committee room is going to say, you know, yeah, Oklahoma's good on offense, but they just don't have the defense, that's certainly going to hurt them um, going forward. And I'll just say it right now, hot take, there will not be a... Oop, there goes a siren. I'll still deliver it. There will not be a Big 12 team in the college football playoff this year. Not sure how hot a take it was, but the siren ended, so therefore uh, didn't need to be a full-on hot take. Uh, just some other notes from the week that was. Wisconsin beat Iowa, uh, keeping its Big Ten West hopes alive. Virginia Tech handled Wake Forest. 
further clouding the race for who is the second best team in the ACC. And Notre Dame handled Duke, uh, giving fans nothing to complain about for a week uh, before inevitably losing their minds uh, during the upcoming Navy game. Uh, one important note from that Notre Dame-Duke game, Julian Aquara did break a bone in his leg. He's going to be out for the season. The embarrassment of Rich's defensive end that I talked about before the season, uh, now with Aquara and Dalen Hayes being lost for the season, really having to uh, you know dig deep at the position, uh, being pushed to the limits a little bit, uh, but they should still be okay going forward. Granted, that pass rush something that I was talking about is possibly being one of the elite units in the country, just has not lived up to expectations thus far this season. Um, you know, this, this past weekend, I was lucky enough to stay in a house with some friends, but not everybody has friends in, in all different cities. You might be going to some city where you know no one. I've certainly done that. I didn't know anyone in Athens this year. Um, and the best thing you should do if you're going to a college football game and you're staying in a city where you don't know anyone, is use rentlikeachampion.com. Go to rentlikeachampion.com. Use promo code SCOOP. That's S-C-O-O-P. They know I sent you. Um, and you'll find a great place to stay for a college football weekend. I feel like I can keep shortening these ads um, and and really not saying that much that's complimentary because I don't think anyone from Rent Like a Champion is listening to this podcast. Um, so that's it. Rentlikeachampion.com. Go to it. You might, uh, you might find a good house. And you might not, but I think you probably will. Alrighty, week 12. Solid week. Better than solid. Pretty, pretty good week, and it's a pretty well-balanced week throughout the day. Um, at noon, you've got Michigan State at Michigan. Talk about pettiness. This is one of the pettiest rivalries in all of college football. Uh, you remember Devin Bush last year grinding his cleats up against the Grinding his cleats up against the Michigan State Spartan at midfield, like like Rick James grinding it into Charlie Murphy's couch. Um, Michigan State's on a four-game losing streak, uh, most recently blowing a huge lead against Illinois at home. Mich- this is always typically closer uh, than the records or the rosters might indicate. I just see no reason why Michigan wouldn't handle business here. Um, and be comfortably ahead the entire way. I don't think it'll be a pretty game to watch, but I do think if you're a Michigan fan, you can probably pretty much relax uh, for a good portion of this game, certainly by the second half. At 2.30, Navy goes to Notre Dame. Talk about a situation where you can never really relax. Uh, Both teams in this matchup are ranked right now. I believe Notre Dame's at 16. Uh, Navy's at, I don't know, I just saw the new rankings, like 23 maybe. Um... You know, this isn't going to be easy for Notre Dame. It never is. Malcolm Perry at quarterback for Navy is an incredibly fast human being. He's very little, um, so if you hit him enough times, you might fumble. You might even knock him out of the game. I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting that Notre Dame should be trying to injure the men and women, only men on the Navy football team, but those that are serving our country. I'm just seeing a fact that if you're a small person playing football and getting hit a lot, you might not be that durable. So that is one thing to look out for. Very fast, but very little. Um, I can just say this will not be a fun game to watch for Notre Dame. It will be probably the shortest game of the season uh, with Navy you know, running the option, keeping the clock moving, maintaining the ball. Will be very few possessions, which is tough uh, for those of us that will be going to the public house 
for our unlimited wings and beer special, it's going to be, uh, you know, not as many, not as many hours to, to consume those sweet chili wings and those fine Miller and Bud Lights, maybe some Michelob Ultras, you know, to stay hydrated as well. Um, and I can pretty much assure you that everyone's going to overreact uh, to the outcome of this game. I think Brian Kelly and this defensive staff have pretty much figured out the option. Um, there will be times in this game that are scary, but ultimately I think Notre Dame does enough to win the game. Uh, Ian Book running the football as he did against Duke. Uh, Ian Book getting it to the taller playmakers like Chase Claypool and Cole Komet. I think Notre Dame does just enough to win this game. Uh, I think they're pretty much up by a score the whole game and, and find a way to win by somewhere between 7 and 14 points. Uh, the 330 stretch, you've got Ohio State at Rutgers. Uh, the spread in this one is 51. I think something like 70 makes a lot more sense. I could easily see this being, this is going to be a fun box score game. We talk about Rutgers in the Big Ten and some of the hilarious things uh, that, that go on when they play good teams. Uh, I don't expect Chase Young to play in this game. You know, he's appealing his suspension uh, from what I've heard, this isn't from, like, sources inside Ohio State. This is just from, like, people throughout the national media. They kind of expect, um, through the appeal, uh, this suspension to probably get knocked down to two, maybe three games at the most. Uh, so yeah, the expectation is he'll probably miss this Rutgers game and then theoretically be back for Penn State and Michigan uh, later on. Um, either way, with or without Chase Young, this game will be an absolute bloodbath. And you got to kind of feel bad for Rutgers a little bit. Also at 3.30, Wake Forest goes to Clemson. Um, been saying for weeks this could be the toughest game on Clemson's schedule. Wake Forest does have a very good offense, although I think wide receiver Scotty Washington, kind of the number two guy over there at Wake, uh, is injured and, and not going to go. Um, you know, could, could Wake hang with him for a little bit? Maybe. I mean, they've certainly got playmakers. I like their offense. They do a lot of really slow developing stuff, like their handoff uh, out of the shotgun, the mesh point. The quarterback and running back will just kind of stand there and watch the play develop for quite a long time. It's it's kind of interesting. I'm not sure that flies against Clemson and this front seven. I think if they're standing around just being patient for things to develop in the backfield, their plays are going to get blown up in a hurry. I've been a fan of this Wake Forest team all year. I kind of think they might get absolutely crushed in this game. Um, it's just, it doesn't seem like a good matchup. It's going to have to be a lot of Sage Surratt. And I think that Clemson has enough players where they can probably bracket him, go one-on-one -on -one everywhere else in the field, and just out-athlete Wake Forest. I would not be surprised if this was, you know, a blowout in the same vein as that NC State game in like the 55-10 to 10 range. Um, Wake Forest is a talented team, but... I just, I think Clemson's out there with something to prove right now, and I just don't think it's a great matchup for the Demon Deacons. Um, also at 3.30, um, one of the biggest games of the day, Georgia goes to Auburn. Georgia's college football playoff hopes lay in the balance. Um, with, uh, with Chad Morris uh, being fired at Arkansas, you know, the rumor mill surrounding Gus Malzahn seems to pop up every year. Uh, he could certainly be a candidate at Arkansas, and given the fact that he seems to be on the hot seat every other year at Auburn, I'm sure he would be pretty interested in the chance 
uh, even you know if it's a step down in program a little bit uh, to go home reset reset his uh, uh, you know pretty much start fresh get back into that honeymoon period whereas right now uh, if he doesn't perform at Auburn everyone hates him he could go home be the savior at Arkansas and uh, and probably be be happier and have more job security. So I think that could become a distraction for Auburn. Ultimately, I just think this Georgia team is rock solid. Uh, I know a, pe- a lot of people got down on them after that South Carolina loss and then you know playing a close game in, in a hurricane against Kentucky. I still think Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, uh, they're gonna they're gonna lead this team. I think Georgia wins a tight game, um, but I just think they're more complete than Auburn, and that's how they get it done. I'll take Georgia at Auburn, winning that game, continuing to roll. Um, you know, they're, they're close to locking up first place uh, in the SEC East, and, and we'll probably have a great matchup with LSU in the SEC championship game with the winner, uh, with the winner uh, going to the playoff. Uh, then a little later, 4 o'clock kickoff, Minnesota goes to Iowa. They are playing for arguably the best trophy in all of sports, the Floyd of Rosedale, just a big bronze pig trophy. Um, I mentioned it a little earlier. Definitely a letdown possibility here for Minnesota. Um, Iowa just is who they are. You know, Nate Stanley's not going to wow you, but he's probably going to take care of the football. Um, I think they could just grind this out, make it an ugly game, um, try to keep Rodney Smith contained, um, and and they've and they've got the defensive backs to maybe maybe keep Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman in check. I see this being you know if this gets into the twenties, then probably advantage Minnesota. But I could certainly see this like a seventeen fourteen type game. I will take Iowa to win this one close. Um, and the last important game of the night, Oklahoma visits undefeated Baylor. You know, Baylor, it, it's been close. Um, they've had five one-score games against zero-ranked teams. So it's not like they're they're squeaking by against really good teams. All these close games, not necessarily against the best competition, but wins are wins. And not only that, Baylor's won in a lot of different ways. They've won high-scoring games. They've won defensive struggles. So certainly that counts for something and impressive that they're able to win in a lot of different ways. I think they will fight in this game. I think there might be a quarter where where they completely shut down Oklahoma. There might be another quarter where, where Oklahoma gets, you know, CeeDee Lamb going for, for two touchdowns, and Baylor has to answer with a couple of touchdowns of their own. I think we could see, like, a lot of different games all within the same game here. Um, you know, some offensive spurts, some, some defensive, uh, you know, a couple of series in a row where nobody, everyone's going three and out. Um, so I think this one could be back and forth with a lot of different styles winning out throughout the game. I think Baylor will want to keep it lower scoring. Ultimately, I just think too many athletes for Oklahoma. I think they got their scare from Iowa State. I think they'll refocus. So many close calls for Baylor. I just think ultimately uh, they, they can't quite keep this train moving. I will take the Oklahoma Sooners to win that one. Um you know, this, it's become a, my brother Brian said to me, I should just listen to what you say on the podcast and, uh, and not actually listen to your picks. Like last week I, I said, I thought Minnesota, Minnesota would win outright. Not one of my picks. I said, I thought Iowa state would keep it really close. 
not one of my picks. I'm down to 12 and 21 for my picks on the season. So you're probably better off just rewinding the episode, listening again, finding the nuggets of, of what I've said I thought will happen, and going with that. But if you want my picks, at this point I can't imagine why. I made six picks this week, so let's see what happens. Um, I like Alabama giving 21 to Mississippi State. I just think they're in the mode now where they feel like they need to beat everyone they play by 50, and that offense is so loaded, I just think they can do it. Um, And Mississippi State does not have the kind of offense that's going to exploit some of Alabama's defensive weaknesses. So Alabama minus 21, I think they should be able to win that game by four touchdowns. Temple, uh, plus five and a half at home against Tulane. I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, Tulane probably a little stronger, but Temple at home. The five and a half, I thought this would be more like a pick 'em, so it's a free five and a half points. I kind of like Temple to win that one outright, uh, but certainly if they lose, could could be like a field goal game, so I like the five and a half points. Uh, Georgia minus two and a half at Auburn. That just comes down to I think Georgia's going to win the game, so if it's less than a field goal, I'll give those points. If they win by one or two, you just got to tip your cap on that one and say, hey, good job, Vegas. Uh, but, but I do like Georgia laying the two and a half. If they win by a field goal, you are a winner. Memphis, uh, minus 10, goes to Houston. This Houston team, we talked about it earlier in the year. They've got all these guys redshirting. They've pretty much quit. Uh, this Memphis team is playing for a New Year's Six spot. I think they have no problem winning at Houston by two touchdowns. Uh, Virginia Tech, minus 5.5 at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, you, you there's maybe a letdown potential uh, coming off that big, uh, you know, game that was... Bud Foster Day, uh, beating Wake Forest. But Georgia Tech just doesn't have the team right now. Um, you know, they're certainly they're certainly playing hard, but they just don't have, you know, it's a major rebuild uh, from the triple option, uh, you know, roster that they had with Paul Johnson. So I think Virginia Tech can win that game by a touchdown. Might have to sweat that one out late, but I do think that Virginia Tech scores uh, in the fourth quarter to get over the number there. And lastly, Cincinnati minus 14 at UCL, UCF. UCF has been terrible. Uh, Cincinnati was my only winner last week, uh, beating whoever they played. UConn, was it? Uh, by like 45 and when it was minus 35. So rewarding it with some loyalty. Minus 14. I think they should be able to beat USF by three touchdowns. So lay the 14. One more time. I'll just run through it. Alabama minus 21. Temple plus five and a half, Georgia minus two and a half, Memphis minus 10, Virginia Tech minus five and a half, and Cincinnati minus 14. All right, uh, I think that's all I've got. I want to give a quick shout out to producer John Zielinski, who does such a great job every week getting this podcast up and onto the internet in a timely manner. Good job by him. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.